You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on. Just get on. Get on. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt Carl. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndre. Hello. Over there. Excited to uh, welcome back Lake Speed Jr., the man who knows all things, uh, well, lubrication, automotive, and beyond. And uh, we are geeks for this stuff. So, uh, obviously, always happy to talk to you. <laughs> and gluttons for punishment. I mean, nobody's well, quite that, as nerdy as Lake, but I can oil nerd with the best of them. <laughs> but uh, Driven Racing Oils, the uh, company website, uh, drivenracingoil.com. We're very much into the diagnostic part. Uh, it's a newer thing where you basically draw some blood yeah. from the engine, which is the oil. They've always said, you know, well, the oil's your life's blood of the engine. Like, okay, well, if they want to find out how a human is doing in terms of do you have hepatitis C or whatever, <laughs> let's draw a little blood and check it out. And somebody figured out, hey, let's draw a little engine oil and see what's going on in the anatomy of the engine. I think uh, I think these guys have been doing it for a long time with the racing teams, and then they started thinking, "Hey, maybe everybody wants to do it." Oh yeah, or yeah, everybody yeah. should. Everybody should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, it's a. Uh, if you go back, you know, the history of oil analysis itself goes back to the military. The Navy and the Air Force were doing it in World War II. Right. Uh, the idea, as opposed to changing parts based on a time schedule, you basically do oil analysis as a predictive maintenance tool. Know right. when to change something. Um, then it got big into – well, Formula One really picked up on it big probably about a, a decade or so ago when they went to the multi-race engines. Because before, if you were going to rebuild the engine every race, well, then who cares? Right. It's just run it, and if it doesn't blow up, then we did good. But when you had the same engine, you had to run multiple times. Well, how do you know the engine's still okay? Um, so the oil analysis gave them a tool to be able to – understand the health of the engine so that they could make a decision oh wait this engine's not any good anymore it's the risk of blowing up a motor is really great change the motor because there was a penalty you know to do that and so the f1 guys really pioneered it and then we when i was at gibbs uh, we did it all the time we show gibbs yep yeah you know um we're such nerds that when we were driving home from Rensport and we'd been able to talk to you. I was messing around with the car a little more, but Matt got a chance to talk to you a little more than I did. Matt did about 40 minutes on <laughs> you analyzing a NASCAR team's engine and you telling them there was a problem with the engine and them telling you there was no problem with the engine because they put <laughs> it on a dyno and uh, they check compression and leak down and everything else. And you said, you know, the oil doesn't lie. And they said, well, neither does the dyno and neither does our test equipment. And the engine ended up grenading or something, and they ended up coming back to your yeah, your side. Uh, of we want to hear that story, not forty minute version, but we want to hear right. that story. But it's funny that all the racing teams do this, and now we'll get into what you're doing to for consumers, um, the the company and what you're doing. But does it work like a pharmaceutical company? Like you charge us sixty bucks to do it, but when a NASCAR team wants it done, you charge them fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's a business model there that would make sense. Those well, guys on the F one team, right? Like yeah. all they seem like they do is want to spend money for some reason. Oh yeah, and, I mean the, the, the equipment to do is like eighty thousand dollars. And I I knew a guy that was um, 
worked at ExxonMobil, and he actually went, his job was to go to the racetrack and take the samples out of Lewis Hamilton's car and then go analyze it and then hand it back to the engineer and say, oh. here, here it is. They did it every time the car came off the racetrack. It's got to be lock and key. They every want, time. They don't every want the oil time. samples tainted. Yeah. How do they do – I mean, obviously, they can do anything in a 13-second pit stop these days, but grabbing some oil – How'd they do that physically? Well, they didn't do it during the pit stops. But oh, I, I mean, every race. Mm-hmm. After but, every time? After, after every, every race. Practice Sorry, session. but oh. not, uh, not every, every time. Every practice session. Every practice session. Yeah. So every time they had a little time. Well, yeah, because we, we, actually, we got you guys one, one of the pumps. Basically, you could do a sampling pump. They had a little a spigot. They could just go plug a line into the oil tank, come, car comes to the track, pull a little sample out, go over the machine, put it in. Ten minutes later, the results come out. Here you go. Uh, see, they got the machine on site. Oh yeah, they had the machine on <laughs> yeah, site. Yeah, they got the machine. Yeah. On what do site. you? What do <laughs> they we, don't want to wait no. in, for for the for the lay person? <laughs> what are we looking for in that oil? In a negative or or positive? Obviously, any metallic, whatever, is a bad sign. Yeah. But, but explain what, this process. Explain the process. What is oil? Testing? Let me tell you guys first that this show is brought to you by uh, Castrol Titanium Strong for maximum engine performance and Geico. You can visit uh, Geico dot com. So. For lay people, what would be the process? Uh, again, like you're a doctor and you're describing taking a blood sample. Well, that's the best analogy, right? It is like the blood sample. You know, the health of the engine uh, comes from that. And really, there's two things that the, the testing does without getting into the, the weeds on how they actually test stuff. The test is going to come back and tell you two things. It's going to tell you the health of the oil. So you can see all the additive package in there. You can see the zinc, the phosphorus. You can see the viscosity. You can see the oxidation, which is kind of the degradation of the oil. You can see all that. But then also you see all the wear metals. So you can see the individual levels of iron or copper or bronze. Or I say bronze, but um, iron or copper, uh, tin, all those things, aluminum. So like, for example, with the the Kyle Busch motorsports story, you know, the, the engine came back and the sample had you know, four times more iron than all the other samples they had sent in all year. It's like, well, okay, there's a problem. And their thing was, well, we we leaked it. We we dyno tested it. It's yeah. fine. Now, it's a sealed engine. They can't take it apart. A complete sealed engine. You can't even take the valve covers off. Right. As per rules. Per NASCAR rules. rules. Per, right. per the rules, they can't do anything else to it. Right. So when they you know, all said and done, you know, we checked it twice, and both times it came back. Hey, it's you know 160 parts per million iron should be 40 is what you're normally running. There's a problem, and when by the time they took it to the engine builder and they took the heads off, well, seven of the eight cylinders were beginning to score, so right. the motor was going to blow up the next race. Mm-hmm. You know, and for them that meant. Hey, they're running for a championship right now. You blow up that motor during the race, and now you're out of the championship. Not just down thirty five thousand dollars because you blew up a motor, right? So now you're looking yeah. at a you know about well in this case because it's a sealed motor from NASCAR, it was within the five hundred mile warranty they give them on new engines. Yeah, they got the motor for free. Wow, right. is is but uh, they, so? But they had to use the oil analysis to figure it out. They would they have could. never. It, basically, if they had not done the used oil analysis, they would have not known it. They would have run it again. It would have been over 500 miles when it blew up, and then there wouldn't have been a warranty. So when they sent it back and they got the new engine replaced, they sent it back, and then the engine builder was like, we, we'll pull the heads off and see now that we've already swapped out your deal. Well, actually, you know. so the funny part was, you know, but after we went through the whole thing with them, kind of arguing with them on the, on the oil analysis bit, they finally sent it back to the engine builder, and the engine builder's like, 
why'd you send it back? And they're like, it's got a problem. No, it doesn't. We dynoed it. We leaked it. It's, no, it's fine. Yeah. And they were like, listen, we got the report. And they're like, okay, well, we'll, we'll do some checking. And it was kind of like this thing where we're going to check it. If there's nothing wrong with it, we're going to basically charge you. We're charging you a full kick right. to put it back together and send it back to you. Um, but when they pulled it apart, they're like, hmm, how about that? Yeah, this is a good thing you sent it back because it was about to blow up. At least they were honest. About I was just going to say, I like that everyone was honest in this scenario. There's something so mystifying about engine builders that they can tell you whatever they want and you have to believe them. The, uh, <laughs> w- this oil testing, it seems like it would be an important part of buying a used car now, especially a vintage car, a car with an expensive engine to build, rebuild. Exactly. Yep. It would seem to make sense to say, you know, hey, you're buying this 1960s Jag with a engine that's going to be 30, 40 grand to rebuild if it if it grenades and and or an old Porsche or or, or Corvette or anything, any vintage or new car. You know, there used to be the whole oh, is this car have 18,000 miles on it or 118,000 miles on it? Well, the used car guy says 18, but yeah, it's like I don't does. know. Could have turned <laughs> over, but we don't know. Uh, I feel like we will know now, and oh, yeah. and I feel like it'll be a part of the report and part of the sales. And I don't know, you tell me what the future is. Well, that, it, it is. It's funny how this whole thing came about. Obviously, when I was at you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, it was something we did all the time. It was just part of our engine building program was we did oil analysis. Then um, when you know, we spun Driven off as a separate company, it was still one of the tools we used. We just used an outside lab to do it. Um, my experience over time was, you know, some labs are better than others. Not everybody re- had the same equipment. They had not everybody had the same turnaround time and and things like that. So that when um, we finally moved our business out of Gibbs, we were no longer there. Um, I, I saw a need in the marketplace for somebody to have this level of service. For specifically what you're talking about, for you know, pre-purchase inspection, for vintage racing, uh, as well that there's other people that could utilize that. You know, driven needs to have it's has that as a, as a tool, right? For when people want to use the oil or whatever whatever brand they're going to use, they need to have a third party independent that can give them truth. And we had had a lot of customers coming to us saying, we want a high end service like you guys used to do for us internally. That we can trust because we don't like the other labs that are out there. Yeah, there's some other labs you can use, but we're not really comfortable with the quality of results and the timeliness. So that's why we kind of started this thing. And, you know, I got my daughter, Caroline. She's the one that's kind of doing the day-to-day part of it, you know, handling it. Um, But one of her biggest customers is a guy that is a Porsche specialist, and he uses it as part of every pre-purchase inspection. How fast is the turnaround? Well, you can get it, it three days. Around. Three days. The, the, the three days is the high, the high end one. That's the hundred dollar one. The um, the standard one is you know um, sixty bucks, and that's five to six days. So someone's going to make a purchase on a car that's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Uh, this should be part of the tire kicking process. A hundred percent. This is like the easiest money you can spend and get the most return on your investment for. 60 bucks and you can know the health of the engine yeah yeah in about a week so they go to the website or three days it's a speed diagnostics uh real original thinking there Mm -hmm. um 
is the name of the company, the website. And it's spelled weird. It's only one D and it ends with an X. You know, so we did all that weird stuff so you could trademark it and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And uh, speed diagnostics. You go to the website, order you just a kit, order the kit. You order the kit, yeah, and it comes comes into you, and it, it basically it's that fee includes the shipping to you, and that already has the expedited mailer prepaid back in it, as well as the processing, and you get the results emailed to you. It's, right. uh, which, it's which also, makes it so oh, much email. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like I mean it's 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 kind of nice in that I think people are getting comfortable with this, like these DNA test kits and things like that. They just send you out a little thing, you spit into a thing, you send it back to the thing, you get a you get your results. Like it's it's basically yeah. that for your car. It's yeah. DNA of it's the. It's funny because you were, you were saying the same thing about a doctor. Like these days now, you go to the doctor, you get your physical, you get your blood test. They just email you the results. Right. You know why not? So on that on that um, NASCAR engine, you guys were finding that there was too much metal or too much iron or aluminum or something mm-hmm. in there, and they were saying it's all fine, but it was scoring the cylinder walls a little bit, and because of that, that's it was increasing that mm-hmm. that level of metal in there. So just that little tiny bit, you and guys you, can tell. You find iron, you know, it's something to do. I, I'm guessing with the block. Or that scoring, you find aluminum, it's a bearings, or what? So there's different metallurgy you use in different engines and different parts of the engines. You know, uh, iron typically is going to be from a valve train, but if it's an iron block motor, it can definitely be from the cylinder bores, well, too. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll all be sleeved with something, right? Even well, the aluminum some ones? Them, even the lim- some of the aluminum ones, you know, like a nickel seal, that's like a, aluminum, uh, a nickel uh, plating, a silicon plating. So, so they don't sleeve them? No, some, some blocks are not sleeved. Some are so sleeves, modern day, some are there's some aluminum. I mean, back in the day, I think when they had an aluminum block, they would sleeve it with something. In the old days, yes. Right. Yeah. But now they're just going all whatever with a coating. Yep. But you also need to know what the engine is because you need to I, – I, I imagine – you would want to know what the engine was in order to help with the diagnostic part. Oh, yeah. That's part of the reason why everything's online. That's why there's a website, and you basically buy the kit, and you have to register mm-hmm. the kit online because every kit has a unique ID number. So each bottle has its own barcode that's specific to that bottle. Right. Yeah. And you have to go online and then answer basically register it and answer certain questions. And you can't complete it if you don't answer the questions because – you can't get an analysis that's reference to anything if we don't know what the engine came from. Right. So there's a or database how it was used, that or allows fuel. you to compare against other stuff. Perfect example is fuel. Yeah. If you're running a leaded race fuel, then it's going to throw the lead levels way off compared to what is normal in an unleaded engine. Yeah, that's so, a good so point. So that we need to know what kind of fuel you have to be able to give you proper results. We need to know the mileage so you can calculate the wear rate. The, the This report can like – we used to use a uh, Caterpillar because we used to go down the street to the Caterpillar place in Charlotte because they had a lab there. And we would just take it over there and, and you know, 15 bucks, drop it off. And then they would email you the report back a couple of days. But it was one page. It was just the numbers. And, it, and I'm a certified oil analyst. That's one of the things I got paid to do when I was at Gibbs was, here, get certified so you can read this. So, but if you don't, if you're not an analyst, good luck. I mean, because it's literally the Caterpillar report. Iron is listed as FE, which is the right. chemical symbol for iron. Okay, <laughs> if you know chemistry, great. If you don't, what the hell's FE? Yeah. Why do I have 160 of it? Is that okay? Is yeah. that good? Bad? I don't know. Yeah. What does the number mean? Right. Yeah. So oh, I'd be in my office like Lynette, <laughs> come in here, sweetie. I don't. 
And I just hand it. Yeah, I just hand yeah. it off. Just what does this mean? You know. So but, the, our report's got three she'd pages. Back, she'd look at it for a second, and she'd backhand me, and she'd go, "I told you it was running lean." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with three pages, crumpled up and throw it at me and storm out of the room. <laughs> Don't ever ask me stupid questions again. <laughs> That's right. No. So with three pages, the first page is the numbers. And they're, and they're all color-coded so that you can see if, if everything is green, everything is good. If anything is yellow, it means it's borderline. It's still acceptable, mm-hmm. but it's borderline. Anything's red means you got a problem. And then the second page goes through and basically describes each one of the tests. So like the test for iron. Well, what is iron? You know, iron's a chemical, you know, uh, or say it's, a, it's an element, it's a metal, it's typically found in these kind of parts. And then the third page is what to do if any one of those line items turns up red. So if it is, say, lead shows up red, okay, that's a bearing problem. And no, you need, here's what you need to do and to respond to that. That way you're not just, well, here's your sheet. You know, right. you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, no, here's what you need to do to try to, to yeah. get back to yeah. good health. I was going to ask is, is how detailed can you get? Can you tell the difference between two different types of aluminum? Can you say, no, oh, the piston's doing something or the, or the wall is doing something? And, you know. So you can't tell between two different aluminum alloys necessarily. Yeah. But you can tell, say, for example, if your thing shows up and it's just lead, nothing else, okay. You probably had leaded fuel in there. Whether you rec- checked it or not, maybe you had leaded fuel and you right. didn't know it. But if it shows up with lead, tin, and copper, which That's- are the three things that make up a tri-metal bearing, yeah. you know for a fact you have a bearing problem. Get it? Because it's tri-metal. Tri-metal, as in three. <laughs> as in yeah, three. All right. Let me uh, cool off some of this hot uh, piston <laughs> talk with the Castrol Edge. Heat, friction, viscosity breakdown. They rob your engine of maximum performance. Friction results in a loss of performance up to 10%. Castrol Edge, engineered with fluid titanium technology, physically transforms to be stronger under pressure. Helps fight uh, friction and deliver maximum levels of performance for your car. Let's go. Castrol Edge, full synthetic, three times stronger against viscosity breakdown than leading oils. It is Castrol Edge. Unlock the true performance in your car's engine. All right, there's yeah. a question up here. So now, guys, opinions on driving moccasins. Huh, okay. <laughs> hey, uh, hey uh, Andrew? Yeah. 45 Vegas driving hey. moccasins. Yeah, so I'm, I was hoping you could settle a debate. Um, All right. You know, got the friend that says no matter what, driving Marxism's a douche move. Mm-hmm. I say it's okay as long as you can back it up with the car. How much different is the and, driving moccasin than the driving loafer? Or is it basically yeah, the, the same, same you know? kind of the same thing? Mm. We love going on loafer detail yeah. when we go to the Amelia Island or the Pebble Beach. We love it. <laughs> I love finding douchebags with the craziest. The, I have guys assigned just to photograph yeah. guys' feet. Sonny's <laughs> been pretty good at it, too. I got my son all coached up, Max Zapata. <laughs> yeah. Although he's letting a few slide through the cracks. Like every once in a while, like, hey, hey the guy in the Bermuda shorts. So what, what's up? What's going on? Like, oh, man, Those are bright yellow. Him. Like, go get him, man. <laughs> yeah. Go get a photo yeah. of them. The sweat. Weightier, the brighter the color, yeah. the better. But the moccasin has like the weird stitching, like almost like the baseball glove stitching or the lace. Do you also own a boat? That's a, mm. that's a question. Do you also wear them on a boat? Look, all this for. I thought douchey too. I thought douchey, but I, I'm starting to. I'm getting older. I'm starting to lean that way. All that is bad? forgiven if you can 
drive or you can back it up. But if we see you out there at Amelia Island and you're wearing the moccasins and then you climb in your automatic 84 mm, vet, 84 vet, you just put it in yeah. drive, yeah, no, then we, no. we got an issue, you know? So I'd have to follow everyone back to the car <laughs> and do a sort of, it'd be a case moccasin by moccasin sort of issue for me. <laughs> yeah. But in general, in general, I'm not a fan of the guys. I don't like anybody wearing the garb who's not actually participating in the thing. I'll tell you the craziest yeah. one. Many years ago, Jimmy and I were out in uh, New York. They used to send us to New York for the MTV Awards. That Kevin and Bean, the local radio, K-Rock, send the whole morning crew out there. We were out there, and it happened to be during the U.S. Open, and I think like Pat O'Brien, it was like a friend of the show, was calling it, and we ended up getting us a couple of tickets to like the tennis open, and we're like, we never been to a tennis tournament, Flushing Meadows and all that kind of stuff, and we ended up just on a Saturday, like getting on the train and driving out to Flushing. And hmm. I started noticing more and more people getting on the train. They're wearing like Fila shorts and they're wearing the the shoes and they got the wristbands on and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? Like, are they playing tennis? <laughs> and it's like, no, they're just fans. They're just fans. Dressed up like tennis players. Yeah. Look, I get it. If you're going to Sturgis, you probably have some boots or something. Like, I, I get there's yeah. an element of that, but I don't like the guys who dress like they're going to participate in the event. Oh, you go to any motocross event, and there's somebody in the stands wearing everything, wearing oh, yeah. the gear, oh, NASCAR, wearing same the thing, boots. Right? Yeah, there's dudes wearing, wearing fire suits in the stands. Right, yeah, there are. I don't which like is crazy because it. it's always hot. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the people who are wearing them don't want to wear them. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, also, but if you like, if you own a car, you don't have to dress like that car. If you own a Ferrari, you don't need to get out dressed in red with Ferrari emblems all over your body. I know, but so many do. <laughs> so many do. <laughs> but it's also it's a thing where it's like Truth. these guys are rich guys. They always have super beautiful tan calves. That's what I noticed <laughs> about. There no yeah. no no pasty dudes I, with it, bird legs. It could be. It's just like like you buy one of these cars, and then all of your buddies are like, "He owns a Ferrari. I'm going to buy him a forty dollar Ferrari hat." And then you're like, "Now I have to wear the hat, or yeah, or, or what?" My agent I would get me driving shoes, and I wouldn't wear them. <laughs> <laughs> You're being kind. You're being kind. <laughs> all right, but wait a minute. Can we agree that the Oh yeah, loafers in full full effect. Maxipata was out taking pictures. Very awkward doing this, by the way. <laughs> I know because I can't see why. You know why? I, it's the same. Oh, it's like the, the red. It's pants. the same thing I would run into. These are all pretty tame. That was all right. Oh, the, the, the first one's red, good. Yeah. The 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 thing. There's a couple things. <laughs> Everybody had tan caps. The, the scariest part about the loafer, I'd always, whenever we go to Amelia Island or Pebble Beach, wherever we go, I always go assign someone to take pictures of the loafers. The weirdest part is me trying to convey, like, I'd, I'd always say to some guy who was, like, working on the production team or whatever, and like, look, part of the comedy bit we're going to do is we're going to take these douchebags with their crazy suede loafers. And uh, we're just going to so walk around the crowd. The crazier, the better, the louder, the more obnoxious, the more garish, the better. But you find these rich guys and the rich guy loafers and take a picture. 
And inevitably, some guy would come walking by and just like penny loafers or something and khakis. And he was like a judge or something. He'd go, oh, oh here comes some loafers. And I'd go, no, no. No, not no, any no, loafer. No, not, not any loafer. Like obnoxious loafer. And they'd go, oh, okay. Oh, there's another guy. And it was another guy just beige loafers. <laughs> I'd go, how come it takes so long for me to give you my ideas? Why is it? Why is I, I Mac Tapata, what is wrong with me that I give you my ideas and you cannot digest them? Not you personally, okay, you. but oftentimes you personally. Like, I think I made it pretty clear. How come people have so much difficulty with that? I don't know. Yeah, Maybe they, they're they colorblind. They water on the first pair of loafers they see. They don't even know what's what's coming. They didn't have crayons. When Why they do did. they not get the gestalt of the joke? Yeah. The joke. So, um, all right. So, uh, Andrew, back to you. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I will say. How do you feel about this conversation? I like the loafer. <laughs> I will take the loafer over the high top driving shoe. Yes. Because the high top driving shoes effort with man. the weird zipper right on the side. Sometimes, weird- oh, I feel bad. I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Carter Lay? Yes. Wait, why do I? Yeah, Carter Lay. Look, here's a, a parable for you young kids out there listening. Like something you should you should participate or uh, take it to heart is what I'm is what I'm saying. Carter Lay did the like celebrity pro Grand Prix whatever. Oh, that's right. Maybe that's right, a, maybe the year I won it as a celebrity or pro. I just want to say about this. Um, but he was there, and he's a rich guy, and he's from the Lay's potato chip family. Yeah, and uh, heir to the Lay's potato chip throne, and he showed up with like a pair of. $600 Puma driving shoes and he was like explaining to me or somebody else uh, I was overhearing it that his laced up on the side and not over the down the front because the ones that did the front cut cut off circulation and the side ones were better for circulation and blah 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 oh my and then he went out there <laughs> and he was super slow <laughs> And, you know, guys in flip-flops were passing him. And I remember we did the podcast, and I was, like, kind of making fun of him. And I I was like, hey, you give me the dissertation about the $600 driving shoes, and and you're getting getting lapped uh, on the first lap by Wanda Sykes, you know. And at some point, he sent me a tweet, and he was like, hey, man, what's with all the hate or whatever? (laughs) And... I didn't write back like, yeah, because you're a douchebag and you got expensive shoes and you're rich and blah, blah, blah. I just went, I just wrote him back like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I, I sometimes I have to tell people I make fun of people for a living and <laughs> include my own family and myself and that group. But uh, I get it if somebody like said, well, what's Corolla like talking shit about his shoes for? Like, and I just went, sorry, uh, I get why you're pissed and let's 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 put this behind us and he like tweeted back like yeah cool i get it and then like two days uh, a year later he was dead oh he just geez. died he just died like i don't know when did he he died four years ago yeah three years ago yeah so and, he tweeted you i was going to respond to add adam Kroll remarks on the radio today 
but I'm glad I left a lasting impression. Hashtag real story later. And Adam responded, sorry for that. I didn't mean to sound so douchey. And uh, he wrote, ha, the best. Loved meeting you. And you guys said, I hope you're well. Thanks. And then he died. So I, I hope if not I, from bad circulation. If I <laughs> How that is such that's the worst that's the poorest of all tastes, Joe. Oh and I, I remember thinking when I heard he died, I was like, oh. And then I remember thinking, oh, good, I didn't write back something douchey, oh, yeah. you know. And then exactly. he didn't fire back something douchey, and I wouldn't have that floating around in my uh, my karma dream catcher. You know, I was like, I wrote back like, sorry, I was a douche. And he went, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And a year later, he just died. It was, I don't know, 49 or, you know, what? 47. I mean, it wasn't old. And uh, I don't know. Keep that in mind, people. Sometimes, you know, people eventually die sometimes sooner than later. And maybe you don't want that on your permanent record. Jeez, what a bummer. I know. Um, But it's a life lesson. How old was he? Also, it's always sadder when heirs to fortunes die. <laughs> like if a Corolla bites the dust, well, what'd he miss out on? Well, his dad had a sofa that converted into a bed. Ooh. <laughs> but that's about it. It was used. But, you know, when you're Lay's potato chips yeah. or uh, the Doritos chick or I don't know. The Doritos chick? <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be. Funyuns for life. Yeah. yeah somebody that's like out a there. Mars family, the chocolate people. Bob Bugles or somebody like that. I mean, that's a real goddamn shame. Hey, man. Yeah. How old was he? 44. Oh, oh wow. That is yeah. bad. She's young. Leukemia. Oh, see? Now I'm glad. Now I'm glad I didn't I didn't give him a douchey tweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about fuel. I got some fuel questions, but first I'm going to tell you about Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off dry cleaning, you pick up some milk, and now you can add saving hundreds of dollars of car insurance on that list. You don't have to pick up or drop off anything. Just go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding to-do you can do today. Check out Geico.com. So you got fuel questions. I have fuel questions because fuel seems to be changing, and there's all kinds of politics involved. I've set a personal record with uh, interactions with Jay Leno without him complaining about fuel. What? I'm up. I've now. He hates ethanol. I've spoke Jay. to him like it's seven times, and he hasn't complained about fuel, and that's the longest we've ever made yeah. it. If you bring ethanol near him, he starts to kneel down and shrink up like oh, Superman sure. with kryptonite. That is because yeah. it is. It's like <laughs> yeah. kryptonite to carburetors, yeah. right? And he has a couple of cars that have carburetors, so yeah. It's oh like- no, he 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 changes fuel lines on some of the vintage cars like every two years, just in case. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know the guy that uh, Mike Pierce at Pierce Manifolds that does a bunch of the carburetors for Jay yeah. for his collection. He's like, oh yeah, he has to come down here and do it himself because he's like, this is such a big giant problem with ethanol and the fuel. Yeah. So yeah. tell us why. Explain to that. What's why. Why ethanol? Why do we have it? Why do we hate it? Well, basically, for emission, you have ethanol in the fuel for emissions reasons. It's, it's an oxygen. It helps lower emissions. The downside is ethanol is um, hygroscopic, which is a fancy word for it means it absorbs moisture. So you basically get down, like, say, the south coast area here where you have a lot of ambient humidity. It can absorb the moisture, and then that mixture of ethanol and water becomes corrosive, mm-hmm. uh, especially with any, you know, the older... Carburetors are made out of magnesium and aluminum and uh, magne- steel and those kind of parts like that. Well, 
there's no method to test for corrosion for those. So there, it, even the fuel spec, it says, oh, okay, oxygenated blends can cause corrosion on things made out of magnesium, aluminum, zinc, and steel. Well, that's what carburetors are made out of. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, it, it's a problem. The, the biggest issue now, I mean, we've had ethanol in the fuel for a long time. Um, the biggest issue is just last week, they, uh, uh, the administration announced they were going to allow year-round sale of E15. Mm-hmm. So the maximum we had before was E10. Now they're allowing to go up to E15. Is that a 15%? Or? 15% ethanol. Mm-hmm. So oh, we're going boy. from 10% ethanol to a maximum of 15%. And now, who knows how long it's going to take for that to roll out. The trick is, technically, E15 is illegal to be used in any car built before 2001. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, and, or, and yeah. any kind of power equipment and things like that. So there's there's like a, a, a date for it, a range, but no one knows that. So like this is right. the kind of public service message right now. Hey, everybody listening, if you have a car and it's an older car, don't or especially if you have a lawnmower or snowblower or whatever, you should not go buy E15 and use it because it's going to blow it up. You know, mainly because the more oxygen you put in there, you have to change the jetting of the carburetor to accommodate for the increased oxygen. You've got to add more fuel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. all the – for EPA reasons, all the carburetors and the power equipment things today, they're all fixed jet. Yeah. You can't change it. Oh. So everything is going to run lean? Uh-huh, and blow up. Yeah. Uh, so, Matt, uh, other things to uh, discuss, the new Ford Ranger – 150 accessory options? Yeah. Where is that new Ford Ranger? Is it in Europe? Is it here? Where it's, haven't it's seen like one? It's like everywhere but here. It's on its way here. I'm I'm excited they're, they're to take, about this. Starting to take orders. I When I was a young buck uh, swinging a hammer, uh, when, a, when a guy would pull up in a new Ford Ranger, that was a big deal. Yeah. They made a they made it in a great blue yeah. back in the day. It was a cool they truck. They did make a teal. It had a <laughs> it had a uh, it had a v, it had a V six in it. Yeah. You know, it was just I I dug that uh, old Ranger back in the day. Oh, they're gonna have EcoBoost engines in them now. They're gonna have uh, you know four cylinder EcoBoost, and they're gonna do a Ranger Raptor. Mm-hmm. What size would it? What year? Here's an interesting. Mm-hmm thing for Max Apata to spend his computing on. What size is this Ford Ranger compared to an F-150 what year? Is it the size of a 93 F-150? Because now F-150s are, everything keeps getting bigger. Bigger, yeah. Right. If you think of like a 2001 to 2004 Ford Lightning, Mm-hmm. You know, with the 5.4-liter mm-hmm. supercharger, I bet the Ranger's as big as that. Probably so. Because that wasn't a big truck. That thing looked big in the picture. Yeah, it looked big in the picture. Yeah, yeah and there's all sorts of cabs and long beds and stuff, I guess, options as yeah. well. I'm sure there's going to be several configurations, and I think the base engine's going to be like a 2.3-liter EcoBoost, which is similar to the engine in the Mustang EcoBoost. They're going to yeah. sell a lot of those units, right? I think they Ooh, are. People, I, I, I think they're going to sell quite a bit. Because Dennis Leary's got a boner. <laughs> more VO work for more him. More VO work. Oh, no, Brian Cranston's doing Ford commercials oh, now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cranston's doing it. Actually, The Rock did uh, Ford commercials for a while. You know? Uh, yeah. Like, he was, he was standing in the service department. Remember? He was like... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. He was. He, I, I, he, he did do those. Yeah. 
All anyway, notable non-car guys. Talk about tires and stuff. <laughs> Jesus what are you talking Christ. about? There's Hobbs versus Shaw coming out. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's the, the Fast and Furious spinoff. How about uh, some updates on the Acura NSX? Well, the and NSX, when is that Ford Ranger coming out, Max Pata? Can we figure it out? Yeah, let me. I'm, I'm looking at sizes right now. So while he's figuring it out, I got a backstory for you. Just um, go wheelbase. On the garb. Mm-hmm. So when I was little, my, my my dad was you know a go kart racer and world champion and yeah. all of this, and we go start racing when I was you know eight years old. Um, and get my racing helmet right, and I've got these as an open faced helmet. This is like no nineteen seventy eight right, mm-hmm. and the bubble goggles. Well, yeah. All the cool kids had like the Scott you know motocross goggles, sure right, or they yeah. had the, had they had the you know closed face helmet, and I'm like, Dad, I want that. I, I'll go faster. And he's like, Son, no. <laughs> that that does not make you faster. When you yeah. when you go out there and you go fast and you win yeah. and your head grows, then you can get a new helmet. But you know, <laughs> the Scott goggles are not going to make you faster than wearing bubble goggles. Yeah, it's just my, not uh, not going to happen. My uh, wow. it's funny if you look at some of my uh, Cole Paul, Trickle had the bubble goggles. He did have the bubble goggles. All everyone had the bubble <laughs> goggles back in the day. Yep. The um, if you look at some of my Paul Newman racing helmets. He'll have the PLN written, sort of outlined on the side of the helmet, not not filled in, but mm-hmm. you know. And he will he wore the goggles, the Scott goggles, outside the helmet. Yeah, and you see where the PLN is worn off because of the strap yeah. or the elastic of the Scott goggles going around the outside of the helmet. Yeah, see? cool guy. He didn't Paul have Newman. The, yeah, cool, the Scott cool guy didn't yeah. wear the bubble goggles. Right, like the losers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, wheelbase, Maxipata. What do you think? Uh, well, it's 127 wheelbase, but Ford F150. I mean, they give me a range from like 110 to 157. Yeah, but well, that's okay. What, that's right. What were they in 1991? Okay, let me check. Well, I because you're looking for the year, it matches up, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm just going like 90. I, I checked 99, uh, but let me check 91. Tell me what the wheel was in 91, or find the one that's closest to it, and we'll find out when it passed. Uh, ninety two okay. is one sixteen to mm-hmm. one fifty five. What's so the Ranger now? One twenty seven. Oh, okay, so it's right in there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Ten inches longer. Yeah, right. But we don't know exactly what the configurations are. You're you're looking yeah, at that's a the... long bed super cab, whatever versus standard, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I think Max Matt, if you want to help your cause, I think you'd have to go. Standard bed, standard cab, F one fifty, and then we'll but the question is: is, is some of the specs you're looking for the brand new Ranger might not be available in the U S. You'd have to find like Ford Australia or something. They're bringing back the Bronco too, right? Yeah, as yeah. well. I shouldn't say yeah. two. And I, I don't know. No, that's right. No, 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 like no that don't, yes. don't say that. <laughs> um, and I don't. They must uh, coach everybody up. Yeah. Like when I did Love Line on MTV. Yeah. They would always say, like, you know, don't talk, don't say, like, these kids are fucking in bathrooms and stuff like that. You go, these young people, like, these don't young, say kids. Yeah. It, it freaks people out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're talking about a 17 year old, don't say kids. Don't say, say kids. Say young people. And they must coach them up at four. Don't go Bronco two, two like, as well. Yeah. Just say as well. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Every, every press announcement must be they start with the Bronco. And then they can say, we have a Ranger as well, or a Ranger 2, which is fine, but you can't say Bronco 2. 
right? So, Only one wheelbase size for all the Rangers. So the Ranger, you're sense. right. So the Ranger may just be in like a four-door, like the Tacoma is currently. Right. Yeah, just you know, something like that. Yeah, they have different cab and bed options. Are they doing size. a monocoque? <laughs> Not a monocoque, but you know what I mean? Are they going frameless like the Ridge? Line you can't or say monocoque. Like you have to say single unit. No, you can't say unit either. I don't know. <laughs> uh, flight deck. Flight deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't say cockpit. Uh, that's a good question. Is it is it a unibody vehicle or is it a framed vehicle? I bet it's unibodied. Why wouldn't it be? Well, because it's American and it's a truck. But it's, I just feel like this the way it's shaping out to be sort of reminds me of the Honda Ridgeline. Yeah, and I just think at some point they're just going to go unibody, but they can't boast about I mean, twin I beam suspension. <laughs> well, I mean, guess you can. So, yeah, but you can't be like you know the Chevy commercial, like we're on a full steel frame, right? You know, ladder frame. Well, it's always funny because uh, Ford would brag about having like an aluminum truck, exactly. and then Ford would be like, "We dumped." Then Chevy'd be like, we dumped cinder blocks into the back of a Ford. Look what it did. And I'm like, all right, well, be a little more uh, tasteful about how you chuck those cinder blocks at your truck. You know what I mean? Like, how about you stack them back there or put them on a pallet? (laughs) How about about that novelty? A pallet. (laughs) Of course, you just dump them from – you you get a a 12-foot A-frame ladder and load up your truck by throwing cinder blocks off the ladder (laughs) at the bed of the truck. It's going to cause some damage. Right. Like, yeah, we got to – Let's move all this stuff out of the parking lot, put it in the back of the truck. But first, let's all haul it to the roof of the building and, and, then, and then throw it down and put it in there because, yeah. you know, that's, that's what everybody wrong. in a Chevy commercial does. <laughs> I don't know. I can't figure out if I like those commercials where the guy's handing the truck down to his son. You know, like he's a little weathered. Yeah. Truck's a little weathered. Got 200 miles on it. Ranch <laughs> miles. He's giving the keys to his boy. His boy's pretty... Uh, it's pretty beaked up about a truck that's not going to get him laid. No, you know, it's like I just want to get off this goddamn it's farm. Silverado from the eighties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's not going to get you a blowjob. <laughs> not not in these times. Uh, NSX new the updates. NSX. So two thousand nineteen. Yeah. So what we we saw um, when we went to the Acura slash Jewel party. Mm-hmm. Um, Jewel the singer. Yeah. Perform. They were they were announcing a new NSX. You yeah. were you were distracted by the Jewel. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was uh I was impressed by Jewel, but everyone was smitten. Yeah. My son was like, "Ooh, who is this this uh, this this vision who's uh, <laughs> doing more talking than singing?" Yeah. Wait, the Rangers what? It's frame-based? Sorry. Yeah, it's frame-based old-fashioned. Yeah. So American. Yeah. So, American. so American. All right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so they revised NSX. the suspension on the on the NSX. They they did a little bit of arrow and they wanted to tighten up the suspension and put on a grippier tighter and it results in roughly fifty percent better lap times. Now not necessarily zero to sixty time because they sure. didn't really change any of the power, but right. they're trying to up their game. And uh, I've said it a hundred times on this show, like they've only sold like a thousand NSXs. It's not necessarily a huge success for them, but I think it's such a good car. It's just such an easy daily supercar hybrid to drive around. Well, in around. a weird— It's a little on the high side of price, but 
You and get on the forums and people are saying that, hey, they're going into dealers and they're they're negotiating, you know, thirty grand off sticker. It's wow. it's it's a little bit like the McLaren versus the Ferrari is the NSX versus I don't know Porsche or even McLaren or something, which is it's a little sterile and it it just works. But it, it's missing a little the je ne sais quoi, you know what I mean? A little the flair yeah. that uh, some of the Italian cars or whatever, just a, just a, a, whatever makes a sports car a sports car beyond the numbers. Yeah. And you get in it, it feels like an Acura. But the McLaren, yeah. you can kind of, I mean, Senna aside in a few models, but McLarens you can kind of make that argument for too. It yeah. just works. It's not a bunch of – it's. It, it doesn't move your soul. It just works. Right. And so I guess you have to kind of figure out, like, are you the loafer guy? <laughs> are you the bubble goggle guy? Exactly. Because the bubble, bubble goggle guy wants the NSX. Yeah. Right. He's going to get it done. Yeah. yeah. The loafer guy wants yeah. the red Ferrari with the tan interior, right? You need to get into, like, That's the it. electric motor lubrication business. There's the future. <laughs> I don't know what it's for. I don't know how it works. But there's a future there. Uh, available, I think, because, you know... I was thinking about crazy, that, too, yeah. You know? Uh, all right, let's see. Me, Phoenix, stand-up live. That's tomorrow night. Base cable commentary up on stage. Two shows. Adam Ray, very funny comedian. B, uh, if you guys are car people, you remember we went to the Peterson, and he was the stand-up for the uh, whatever, Driven for Excellence Award, whatever the steering wheel plaque oh, yeah. I got back there. yeah. He was doing the stand-up that night. That's right. Yeah, he's great. You and- sat there and judged him with your judgy <laughs> eyes. I know. These corporate gigs, man. Corporate gigs are tough. It's not right. your crowd. And he went up there and uh, made he- John Lasseter laugh. And yeah, I remember that. Bruce Meyer he laugh. He kept looking down at you like for this sign of approval. It was it was super awkward sitting next to you for that. Uh, we're going to do fun. basic cable commentary. We'll do Red Dawn and Cobra oh, and Roadhouse yeah. and Karate Kid. It's all going to be there. Also, Anaheim Grove, November 30th, up on stage with Rob Riggle doing a live pod there. Go to adamcroll.com for all the stuff you need. Check out uh, Driven Racing Oil, the website, drivenracingoil.com, and you can do the speed diagnostics there, right? You can find out about it. Different website. Different, different website. website. Yeah, all two, right, two so different go to, companies. Different sorry, websites. then go to speed diagnostics uh, with an X. At the end, and uh, 1D, right? Correct. Yeah. And we'll put links up on the website for this one. <laughs> we'll put links up. Up on Car Cash Show. Yeah, and you com. can check out uh, Adam Carolla Goes Racing, uh, Goldberg's Crashing, the aftermath of uh, him crashing. All seven episodes are up there now. Uh-huh. Check it out. Yeah, motortrend.com slash Adam and go to Vero2. That's good stuff, and we're going to really cool events. I mean, you just... Most of you can't get to Goodwood or Rensport. I mean, in you can get there with us, and we're going and we're capturing it. And yeah, I get it. It's expensive. It's far away. It's it's whatever. But if you're a real car guy, it's not to be missed. No, yeah. Rensport was oh. amazing. Rensport amazing. Was great, that was right? amazing. Yeah, so much fun. Oh, I know. It's just it's 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 mind numbing. And and Goodwood is next level. Either Goodwood or all three now of the Goodwood events. I think they have the uh, they have the Goodwood members meeting or something. They yeah. added a yeah, third. Yeah, yeah. That's another Goodwood. So uh, anyway, go to uh, MotorTrend.com/slash/am or Vero V E R, and you can check out the seasons over there and 
load it in your phone and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Shift and Steer, live from SEMA every day coming up. uh, You'll be at the Magnaflow booth. Yep. You can uh, listen to that on Podcast One and check out Chassis, two S's and a Y. We got a lot of good racing docks, motorcycle docks there, and support the show. Check out the website, carcastshow.com, and uh, follow along. And until next time, it's Adam Crawford, Lake Speed Jr., and Matt the Motorator, DeAndrea, saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Stick around for the AP News.